To that end, I pray, Lord Father, that you would anoint us afresh this morning for the speaking and for the hearing and most importantly, for the obeying of your word. Grant us grace, Lord Father, this morning. Touch us. Visit us, O Lord. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm going to title uh, today's message as Hearing to Know God. Okay. Hearing to Know God. If you've uh, joined us on the Wednesday study, um, we were talking about growing in the knowledge of God. And uh, uh, the last words of uh, the Apostle Peter is found in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. He says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. The last words of uh, the Apostle Peter, he says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Where should we grow? We should grow in grace. And we should grow in knowledge, both. And uh, this is life, essentially. Life is about knowing God. That is the reason why in John's Gospel, chapter 17, Jesus uh, tells, prays in this high priestly prayer, he says, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life. And uh, to know God is life and we will never exhaust. Um, I mean, time will not be sufficient for us to understand and know God completely. It's impossible. But we will, that, but that should be our endeavor. Even all through eternity, he says that in the ages to come, just not what one age, in the ages to come, he's going to show us the excellence of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. It's, so God is infinite. So to understand God is going to take forever. And that is what he says. This is eternal life. To know you. The pastor was praying. He says, he was saying that those who knew their God, first they, ah, they grew, they grew strong. And then they did mighty exploits. So the secret of strength, of spiritual strength is to know God. If you know God, meaning just not knowing about God, as we've heard so many times, it is to know God. It is to know Him and to be known by Him. Both are important. So this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Many of you got baptized um, on Monday. Um, it's a class of... Uh, 2021. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so we have several classes over here, um, but it's like um, you know when you know graduation uh, ceremony. They say it's a uh, introductory speech they give, you no, know, enjoining the students. Now, I'll tell you something: baptism that's a first step. It's a lifelong pursuit to know God. So this is eternal life that you should know God. So today I'm going to look at um, some ca- character in the Bible. It's a very familiar passage. All of us know that person. Like, I was talking about him, Samuel. Okay. 
you know, it's like, you know, I need like Gideon, somebody to confirm. So, uh, it's not the enemy, but the pastor has confirmed today. So, <laughs> so I always look for that. You no, know, at least some voice from the, from the worship or somebody from, the thing here is this, what we, what our identity uh, in the new, te- new covenant, he says, you are a royal priesthood. Okay. You're kings and priests to our God. And if you look at the office of the priest in the Bible, it is not a very pleasant office. Okay. If you look at the tabernacle and the priest in the tabernacle, what you see when you look at a, pri- a priest, the man is actually dipped in blood. Okay, he's got a knife on his hand and he's slaughtering. Okay. This blood all over. I mean, people have sprinkled blood upon them. This guy is dipped in blood completely. So, whenever he is in the tabernacle, one of the constant reminders he's, he's exposed to is that God is extremely, extremely serious about sin. When he's slaughtering the animal and making atonement for somebody else, he's also reminding every time of himself. Because, you know, slaughtering an animal, you know, where we had the baptism service, by the way, that was called Mekal Market, by the way. Mekal Market is actually the slaughterhouse in Hyderabad once upon a time. That is exactly where we baptized you. Incidentally. <laughs> Of course, now it is shifted to another place. Mekal Market. When I was talking to the pastor and I said, please can you give me the directions to the baptism place? He said, just type Mekal Market. So we literally took the goats there <laughs> and then we baptized you. Okay. So, constant reminder to the priest is that God is serious about sin. And when he's slaughtering the animal, it is making all kinds of noises. It's not a pleasant sight. And it is a reminder to him that an innocent animal has to die in your place for you to have peace with God. God is serious about that. So when we are given this title, royal priesthood in the new covenant, sometimes, you know, we forget it. We forget what priesthood is in the Bible. Pastor was talking about having blood on his ears. Blood on his right thumb and blood on his right toe. Why? He has to hear from God. And the only way he has to have two things. He has to have the blood and then what else? Excuse me? And he has to have the anointing on the blood. For him to hear. Otherwise it's impossible. For him to hear. So, so. Israel has come to a point in, 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 in their history to a point where the priests have completely forgotten the seriousness of who God is. Okay. The intensity of who, what he really, who he, who he really is. Okay. If you read the, through the book of Revelation, one of the things that you will see, the introduction of Jesus, though he is the Lamb who was slain even even before the uh, even before the foundations of the world were laid, it says that people are fleeing from the wrath of the Lamb. 
And they are saying to the rocks, please fall upon me and save us from the wrath of this lamb. Why? Because you know what? There is an introduction of Jesus as a judge of all flesh. And we will never know God in totality unless we realize and know God as the judge. And that he is the one who judges sin. He's very serious about that. So Israel has come to a point in its history. So you have a priesthood, a compromised priesthood. And you have an Elkanah, who's also, by the way, uh, from which, uh, he's from the line of Kohath. If you re- read the, uh, the account in First Chronicles, you'll find him. That Elkanah was a priest from the line of Kohath. So he's also a priest. And what is he having? Two wives. Penina, Hannah. Who do you think was the first wife? No. <laughs> it was Hannah. <laughs> Hannah didn't have. So he said, you know what, I need somebody else. He didn't wait on God. But that's okay. We are not going to look at Elkanah too, too much today. So you find a time in Israel history... It's through the judges and judges is characterized by this one statement. In those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. That is what the entire refrain of judges is. There was no king in Israel. Everybody did what was right in his own eyes. And then you have the book of Ruth, of course, the the kind of a, a small detour it seems from the narrative, but it was not. And then you have the book of First Samuel, where you are introduced to the king. First is no king. First Samuel is man's king. We want a king like the other nations. Who will go out before us? Okay. Rejected by God. And through this, and Second Samuel is talking about the third king, who is God's king. And in this setup, you have a person who is who's asking God, Lord, visit me. Initially, she's frustrated with the the taunts of her adversary. But one day, she says, Lord, you give me a child. Maybe she was looking at the compromised priesthood. And she said, Lord, you give me a child, Lord. And I will dedicate this child completely to you. Not a razor will come to his head. Separated, sanctified to him. God answers her prayer. And then she weans Samuel off. She brings him to the temple. Samuel still doesn't know God. He's growing, however, in the presence of Eli in the tabernacle or in the temple. And in First Samuel chapter 3, I want to read from, read a few verses for us today. Sorry, First Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1 onwards. Now this, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. He looked at, looked at that statement several times, right? And the word of the Lord was very rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation and it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow dim that he could not see and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel and he answered him. You're interesting, isn't it? You see the entire episode over here. Two, one priest... One to be priest, if you will. Both are sleeping. Okay. I mean, it's like the virgins, right? Both fell asleep. 
Just keep that in your mind. Just like, I'm not speaking, I'm not, I'm not saying anything specific there, just, just see the pattern. So the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I do not call you, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. He answered, I do not call you, my son. Lie down again. And look at verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord, what? Yet revealed to him. Notice that. Verse 7. In the NIV it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been, what? Revealed to him. So how do you know the Lord? By revelation. The Amplified Bible is very interesting. It says, Now Samuel did not yet personally experience the Lord. That is exactly what we we were looking at on Wednesday. Gnosis and epignosis. It is experiential knowledge, right? Personally experience the Lord and the word of the Lord was not yet revealed to him directly. You see, one of the things in the new covenant is that everyone will know God. That means what? Everyone will directly hear from God. That is the promises, promise of the Bible in the new covenant. If you look at Jeremiah chapter 31, this is what it says. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me. From, from whom to whom? From the least to the greatest. Everybody. That is the reason why let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him boast that he knows me. That he has a knowledge of me. That he has an understanding of who I am. But therefore, the boy Samuel, first, how does he begin to know God? He hears the voice of God. And I'm telling you something. Once he starts hearing the voice of God, he continues to hear the voice of God. All the days of his life, unlike Eli, who stops hearing. And therefore, because he continues to hear, he continues to know God deeper, more closely, all the days of his life. And it says, there was none like that, like Samuel. All There was none of his words that fell to the ground. And he was established as a prophet in Israel from where? From Dan all the way to Beershebi, from the south to the north, the entire stretch of Israel. First Samuel chapter 3 verse 1, let us go back there. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. First Samuel chapter 2 verses 11 to 12. Elkanah went to Ramah to his house and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. Now the sons of Eli were sons of what? Belial. They, they did not know the Lord. You see, one priesthood was moving, coming to the end of its term, not because it was growing old or it was dying, simply because the fire was going out. this, This is what happens in every generation, you see. You see, every moment, if you look at it, maximum, if I've seen it, at least to the best of my knowledge, it's that, that generation which starts the moment and the next generation maybe. After that, it just wanes off. 
I mean, even if in the Bible you will see that Moses had Joshua, and after Joshua, over. Elijah had Elisha, and after Elisha, it was over. See, one of the things that we always constantly have to think about is that we should always inherit the fire of the old. I was listening to a man of God. I don't want to name him because I'm scared of names now. And this is what he has to say. When you take from the altar of the past, be sure to take the fire and not the ashes. What a statement that is. (laughs) When you're taking from the altar of the past, take the fire and not the ashes. You see, Isaac starts like that, right? Abraham hears from God, offer your son, your only son, take a three-day journey and offer him as a burnt sacrifice on one of the mountains, I'll show you. And then he goes, doesn't ask any questions. And then he has what in his hand? The fire in his hand, a knife in his hand. And he takes him on the altar, about to offer him on the altar. And then he hears a voice. He offers the ram there. The ram becomes what? Ashes. But the fire gets transferred to whom? To Isaac. That is the reason why, if you look at Genesis, he says, the God of the, of my father Abraham and the fear of my father Isaac. Remarkable. The fire. You see. Moses is dying. Okay. People have taken Nehustan. Okay. And have taken Nehustan. The fire has, they have taken the ashes, which is a, which is a structure maybe, when God is doing a new thing. But one guy has the fire. Who is that? Joshua and Caleb, of course. They inherit the fire and not the ashes. And what are we enjoined in the new covenant? From generation to generation, one of the things that we have to inherit is the fire and not the ashes. Ashes is essentially this this structure without the anointing. Where you have uh, a service which is going on, but there is absolute No life in it. So we need to inherit the fire. And not the ashes. Okay. Otherwise it will just become a program. (laughs) And ultimately it will become a program. You know what a program is, right? That is what what a death camp is. 1 Samuel chapter 3, let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was what? Rare in those days. The word for rare is very interesting. It has got two connotations at least. First is, it is precious and therefore you have to what? Value it. Okay, That is the reason why it says don't throw your pearls before swine and don't give something which is holy to the dogs. Otherwise, what will they do? They will turn back and they will tear you to pieces. First thing, it is valuable. It is of value. That means it is not, it's not going to become easy. Revelation to know God, you have to pay the price. That is the reason why it is also costly. You need to pay a price. It is precious and it is costly. To know God, you have to pay a price. Revelation doesn't come easy. 
And what is what does the Bible say? There was no what widespread what revelation. Interesting, right? Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Where there is no revelation, people cast off what? All restraint or restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. That's exactly what has happened. There, why is there no revelation? And because there's no revelation, there is no restraint. And you'll see that in 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 13, what happens to Eli. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves wild and he did not restrain them. Why? Why did he not, why could he not restrain them? Because he did not have what? Revelation. Question is, who gives revelation? You see? Who gives revelation? Ephesians chapter 1. It is a spirit of wisdom and the revelation. He is the one who gives us revelation. Who is he? The spirit. Chapter 1 verse 17. We know it very well, right? Who is the one who restrains? <laughs> Again, the spirit. You look at what it says in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 6. And now you know. What is restraining? That he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. The restraining influences are going away from society. And what happens when there is no revelation of who God is? When there is no knowledge of who God is? What happens? People cast off all restraint. Okay. Then... Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18. Where there is no revelation, people cast off all restraint. The word for restraint is very interesting again. Restraint, set at naught or neglect. I put it in uh, GU, not graphic user interface. God understands. That is set at naught. He understands my problem. He understands what I'm going through. That is the argument people give. You see, that is, we have a lot of arguments as to why we sin. What made us sin? The people, said Saul. That is the reason why whenever people confess we have sinned, look at where the periods are. <laughs> okay. Punctuations. First is, set at not, you restrain, meaning what? You neglect. That is what Hebrew says in Hebrews chapter 2. Do not neglect what you have heard. Lest you what? Drift. It's a slow process. Slow. And you don't even realize that you have gone so far away from the Lord. Drift happens very slowly. The undercurrent's there. And you don't even know where your position is after a while. Gone very far from the Lord. Set at not means what? They neglect. Second thing. They are uncovered. They lose their spiritual protection. See, they lose their covering. Restraint, casting off restraint means what? They lose their covering. What does it mean? They become very blatant now. Very blatant in their rebellion. Very blatant. They're not afraid to show off who they are. That is the reason why they're called pride parades. You can put whatever is, uh, whatever name before that. Okay. They show off their rebellion. They are said or not, they lose their spiritual protection. Third thing, they become naked in the spiritual realm. 
And finally what happens, you know, because of that fourth thing, they become, they become spiritually dead over a period of time. They're gone. Spirit is gone. It's withdrawn. The, the question though here is, who is the reason for this? Is a question. Let, let us look at the reason. Exodus chapter 32 verse 25. And when Moses saw that the people were, they cast off all restraint. Why? For Aaron had made them naked. Unto their shame among the enemies of God. Who made them? It's a leader. The leader who did not know God. The leader who inherited the ashes and not the fire. You see. The song that we sing, no, don't let my love grow cold. I'm calling out, light the fire again. Paul tells Timothy, 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 fan out, fan back to flames. The gift that you have received by the laying on of hands. You heard about spiritual gifts last time. Whatever gift that was given to you, fan it back to flames. It's dying now. You're becoming discouraged, Timothy. You inherit the fire. Now the danger is, you will only inherit ashes and the fire is gone. That's exactly what happened to the church at Ephesus. After my departure, savage beasts will come, said Paul in Acts chapter 20. Not sparing the flock. And what will happen? You know what eh? What Jesus says about the church at Ephesus, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. What is gone? Works of faith gone. Labor of Love gone. Third, patience of hope gone. Lost it. And he says, repent from where you have fallen. You have forgotten me. You have forgotten the first love that you had for me. The love of your espousals, he says in Jeremiah chapter 2. He says, I remember the tenderness of your youth. The love of thine espousals. Israel was holy to the Lord. And all who touched it were offended. He was offended and he punished them. In the wilderness, you loved me. And what has happened to you? Slowly, slowly, slowly. What has happened? You have a fantastic doctrine. You have, you're testing everybody out. You have all the gifts of discernment, but you have a structure. You have ashes, but you lost the fire. And talk to the Sardis, he says, you know what? You have a reputation that you are alive, but you are what? Dead. And he says, strengthen those things which remain, which are about to die, because I have not seen your works complete before God, perfect before my God. Laodicea says, I'm out. You're neither hot nor cold. I'm out. Twitter and Pergamos, Pergama, he says, you know what? You have allowed, you have tolerated the doctrine of ba- Balaam and the doctrine of Jezebel. You've tolerated, you've allowed it. You've allowed mixture to come into my church. The danger. And you know what is the last refrain to the church? The last word is not to go out and make disciples of all nations. The last word of Jesus Christ to the church is what? You know what? Repent. 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 You know why? If you look at Revelation chapter 4 and verse 5, chapters 4 and 5, you'll see the throne over there. And you have a lamb over there. The holiness of God, blazing fire. And one day books will be opened. And we have to give an account. 
So what has happened? The leaders have compromised. Why? Simply because they inherited the ashes and not the fire. Look at what it says in Exodus chapter 3. How Moses started. Now, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame out of the midst of the bush. And you know what he says? And he looked and behold, the bush, what? Burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. You know, look at that and he said, and Moses said, I will now turn and see this great sight. What? What is that? How is it? The bush is on fire. But how is it that it is not consumed? You see? And you know what? That fire comes into his heart one day. The fire comes because he encounters God. And every one of us have to encounter God. Doesn't matter how young you are, how, how old you are. And one of the things that is just inevitable in your life, my dear brothers, you have to encounter God. And once you encounter God, there's no turning back after that. It has to happen in every believer's life. All alone, you and God. Nobody there around. You have to see God. You have to examine your life. How is it, Lord? My life is burning, but it is not consumed. How is it, Lord? It's a picture of grace. Fire is a judgment of God. The bush is not consumed. Moses encounters God. You see, he encounters, when he sees the bush which is on fire, but not consumed, what is it? It is a picture of the cross. Okay. See, cross is inevitable to Christianity. We cannot circumvent it. A.W. Tozer wrote this book called The Radical Cross. I'm going to read you some excerpts from that book. Okay, Very, very powerful. This is what he says. The cross affects its ends by destroying one established pattern, the victims, and creating another pattern, its own. That's it. No compromises. Second, thus it always has its way it wins by defeating its opponent and imposing its will upon him. It always dominates. That's exactly what he did to the cross, uh, to Christ also. He was alive when he was on the cross. Six, after, six hours after that he was dead. Look at what he says. It never compromises. Never dickers nor confers, never surrenders a point for the sake of peace. (laughs) And he says, it cares not for peace. It cares only to end its opposition as soon as possible. That is the cross. And you know what he encounters? In the burning bush, he encounters a cross. And after you encounter the cross, there is only one thing. Surrender. That is the reason why we sing those songs, right? Long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night. (laughs) Thine eye diffused the quickening ray. I woke the dungeon filled with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my Christ, should die for me? This mystery all. The immortal dies. How can the immortal God die? Who can explain his strange design? In vain the firstborn seraph cries, cries to sound the depths of love divine. 
this mystery all let earth adore let angel minds inquire no more amazing love how can it be that thou my god should die for me that is the cross at the cross at the cross where i first saw the light the burdens of my heart were rolled away it was there by faith i received my sight and now my heart is happy all the way and then he says lord how can i surrender how can i just stop myself from surrendering my life if you have not encountered the cross you have not encountered the fire of god there's no fire in our hearts it is inevitable we have to all of us and then we you know what we have to keep on encountering it you have to where there is no vision where there's no revelation what happens to people they perish otherwise we'll pay a huge price for that we'll come to that later on act chapter 26 verse 19 we know this very well 19 and 20 whereupon o king akirpa i was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision that day i received a vision that's it i encountered him and after that that is burning in my heart but showed first unto them of Damascus and of Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and that the Gentiles should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. So who's the reason? For not having revelation? The leaders who compromised. Look at how it says. Exodus chapter 32. Then Moses said to Aaron, what did these people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? Exodus chapter 32. Verse 22. And Aaron said, do not let the anger of my Lord burn you know the people yourself, that they are prone to evil. For they said to me, make a God for us who will go before us. For this Moses, the man who has brought us from the land of Egypt, we do not know what happened to him. And then, so I said to them, whoever has gold, let them tear it off. Then I, then they gave it to me. I threw it into the fire. Calf. Magic. Abracadabra. You see? And what is happening there to the people? They have. There is no what? Restraint. But you know something? Aaron, I have a purpose for you. God says. And the lessons that you are going to learn about me and who I really am is going to be holy. One day fire is going to come into your heart. But it will be at a very, very, very high price. You know what happens later. Look at what it says. The call, of course, the call of God is very interesting. It says, then when Moses saw that the people were out of control for, for Aaron, the people are out of control. Why? For Aaron had let them get out of control. Interesting, no? We were in our youth group sometime years, some years back. And then I was youth. <laughs> Constant reminder, no? Okay. And what we were singing when we were coming back from the youth camp or going to the youth camp, I don't know. Coming back or going to, we don't know. Doesn't matter. We were full of, without restraint. All of us in the bus, we were singing with the guitar. What were we strumming? Songs of Zion? No. THC. The Hotel California. Oh, we were singing. My goodness. Her mind was, dif- her mind was Tiffany twisted. What is Tiffany twisted? Do you know? I don't know. But we acted as if we knew. We all wanted to fit. All restraint gone. Nobody saying anything. In the youth group. There's one elder who will be sitting there. Like this. 
And what is happening? Everybody is having a ball. We'll come to that later. Aaron let. You see, that is the reason why leadership is so, so serious. And he's telling Aaron, 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 I have a plan for your life. And it is going to come at a huge cost. Moses then stood at the gate of the camp. Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered. Now think about this. Everybody, the sons of Levi gathered. I don't know, whatever reason they gathered, they gathered. Maybe because they said, okay, well, Moses is after all from my tribe. Let me just gather. You know, he's also ready. I'm also ready. Let me gather. Okay. Let me cast my vote. Because, you know, that is exactly how we ask for votes, no? Kapoor votes and Chaudhary votes and all the other votes, no? So, they all came. But it is going to happen. It is going to happen at a cost now. He says, no, strap a sword now. Kill your brother and your sister. That is painful. The call is very serious. And then one day, Aaron, his own sons, what will happen? Look at what it says in Leviticus chapter 10. Then then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took a censer and put fire in it, put incense on it and offered what fire? Profane fire, strange fire, unauthorized fire. You know what? It's after seven days of ordination, my dear brothers. They have been literally been dipped with blood. Seven days of ordination. It's not easy. Read Leviticus chapter 8. After going back home, you'll go crazy. The kind of ordinances, they have to be stripped and they have to put on, stripped, put on, bath, blood, 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 seven days at the house of the, tab- at the, at the entrance of the tabernacle. And then what happens? Strange fire. Here and Aswell a very costly lesson. So fire went out from the presence of the Lord and what? Devout them. You see, I'm telling you something, my dear brothers and sisters. We do not uphold the standards of God in our generation. You know who's going to pay a price? Our children. It's not easy. We will lose the next generation. Sometimes you will wonder, why is pastor so tough with us? Why is he saying, saying don't love the world and things of the What is the reason? You know what? Because God is absolutely serious about his love for us. The wrath of God was poured upon him. On the cross. So fire went out and devoured them. And they just fell dead. You know what should fire do? It should burn you and make you ashes, right? But you know what? They died and their bodies were still there. What happened therefore? They saw something of God. They could not even handle it. You know what they saw? They saw in the face of God, the wrath of God. Finished. They couldn't handle it. They were dead. Right there. You know why? Because God told Moses... Nobody can see my face and live. It's a costly lesson. Costly lesson. So Moses, can we, can, does Moses finally, uh, Aaron finally learn a lesson? Thank God he learns. It's a chance that is given to him. This is what happens in Numbers chapter 16. So Moses said to Aaron, take a censer. Put fire in it from the altar. Put what? And now don't put strange fire now. <laughs> Strange fire. Put authorized fire. And you know what? Put incense on it. Take it quickly to the congregation. And make what? I tell you what the word for atonement. I, I told you sometime back. You know what atonement means? At one with God. At one with God. Peace with God. 
Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly. Already had the plague, plague had begun uh, among the people. So he put the incense and made atonement for the people and he stood between the what? The dead and the living. So the plague was stopped. He understood. Now he has the fire. But at what price? It was costly. Okay. Don't inherit ashes. Inherit fire. Inherit the fire. Look at any man of God. Whatever it is. Lord, that fire I want. I want that fire. That's exactly what Elisha said. I want that fire. I don't want to bring down fire. But I want fire. People want to bring down fire. But they don't want to have fire. The fire is here. Isaiah chapter 33 will say, no? Who can live in the midst of everlasting burnings? God is that. So, we learn lessons which are costly. But lessons we should learn. So what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 3? Let's go back. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revolution, not revolution, revelation. Notice, 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 notice. Okay, something very interesting. Notice everybody. Okay, question for all of you. Notice the difference between two verses. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 11. They look very identical, almost identical, but with a subtle variance. Elkanah went to the house at Ramah, but the child uh, ministered, uh, let's read it, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli, the priest. First Samuel chapter 3 verse 1. Let's read it now. The boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before, before who? After that? What is, what is there? Priest is gone. Notice that. Why? Priest is going to be, priesthood, priesthood is going to change. He's going to be rejected now as a priest. <coughs> Why? Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. You know this verse very well. <coughs> the first part we know. Second part is very interesting. My people are destroyed or perish for the lack of, for lack of knowledge because You have rejected knowledge. I will also reject you from being what? Priest unto me. Because you have forgotten the law of God, I will also forget your children. Look at that. So prophetic in the life of Eli. He had two sons, Hophni and Phineas. We have a Phineas in our school. I I tell him, no? Phineas, which Phineas are you? Because Phineas I like. The word Phineas I like. He said, which one? He says, uh, no, 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 not son of Eli. Son of Eliezer. <laughs> very important. Very, very important. Distinct. And from the line of Eliezer to the line of Phineas comes the priesthood of Zadok, by the way. You can see that later on. So, let's go, go back. In First Samuel chapter 3, <clears throat> let's read from verse 2 now. And it came to pass... <coughs> At that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. Why was there no revelation? Because there was no revelator. Why was there no restraint? Because there was no restrainer. 
Who is the revelator? The Holy Spirit. Who is the restrainer? The Holy Spirit. Why is your eyes going dim? Why? It's like, you know, it's a picture, no? And the, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle, it was growing dim and the lamp was growing dim. What is this lamp? It's a lamp. It's a seven lamp, a seven, a seven uh, branch candlestick, which is found in the holy place. You have the table of shubrat, shubrat, and you have the, uh, the seven lamp candlestick and you have the altar of incense. First is shubrat signifies your surrender. And the lamp signifies the illuminated mind, which is the only light in the tabernacle. In the outer courts, there's natural light. Full of natural light. But once you come into the holy place, it is what? The illuminated mind. The mind has to be illuminated. But what should it, what should not go? Two things have to happen to the, uh, happen to the, uh, you should uh, take care of when you're uh, dealing with the, uh, with the candlestick. First thing, you have to continuously pour the anointing oil. Second thing, you have to constantly keep trimming. If you do, if you stop either of these, it will be put off. There should be a continuous infilling of the Holy Spirit and there should be a continuous cutting in our life. Cutting away of the flesh. And why, what is happening over here? If there is no continuous infilling, infilling of the Holy Spirit and there, there is no either, if there is no continuous cutting in your life, some people, they are constant cutting, there is no infilling. Some people, I think they have infilling. And I don't know if they're, if you, if one can exist with, with, without the other. Let me prove that to you. Okay. I'm just, I'm just putting this question. Can one exist without the other? Can we have infilling of the Holy Spirit without cutting? Ah. They are not mutually exclusive. They are intertwined. We'll understand what that means. First thing, what, that is the reason why all of us in the new covenant, one of the persons we have to be very, very careful of is the person of the Holy Spirit. We are enjoined so many times, right? Don't grieve him, don't lie to him, don't insult him, don't, uh, don't, uh, quench him, don't, etc. So many things. Because he is the one, if he's gone, tada, it's over. If any man sins against the father or the son, his sins will be, forgive me, if you resist the Holy Spirit, don't resist the Holy Spirit. So one verse, the shortest verse in Thessalonians, quench not the spirit. How do you quench the spirit? But the question is that, how do you quench the spirit? How do you quench the spirit? We know this parable very well. Matthew chapter 25. The parable of the who? Wise and the foolish. Okay. It's not just the foolish. It's also the wise and the foolish. So we know the story of the wise and the foolish. At midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then, look at this. All the, those virgins arose and are they trimmed. What happened to the other? The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are Going dim, 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 dim. Look at what he says. Wise answered and said, No less there should not be enough for us and for you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. In other words, in other words, to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit, what should we do? We should pay the price. 
It's not free. The anointing is not free. I'll show you. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. Wise. Notice that. Afterward, the other virgins came also said, Lord, Lord, not just Lord, 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 open to us. But he answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Lord, I was separated for you. But there was no trimming, there was no oil. Watch therefore, for you know not, you know, uh, you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now understand this. Who is the wise therefore? Who are the wise? Let me show you. Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and everybody said that, does them. I will liken him to the wise. Whoever does. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do? It says, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit beyond measure. Why? Why? Very familiar portion of scripture for all of us. We would have looked at it in hundreds of different contexts. This is what it says in Acts chapter 10. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and he went about Doing good and healing. First doing. First comes what? Do. Everybody say, just do it. Uh-huh, just do it. Do it. This is not Nike. Do it. Acts chapter 1. The former account I made, oh Theophilus. You know what Theophilus means? The one who loves God. Theo means God. Philus means the friend of God. Uh, how many friends of God over here? We sing that song, no. I am a friend of God. Oh, what a super song we sing with full Josh. He calls me friend. Please offer your Isaac on the altar. No God, that is not my friend. No. Oh, former account I made. Oh, Theophilus, friend of God. Of all that Jesus began to both. Huh? Everybody? To do and to teach. See, the amount of oil is, a, is, is an accumulation of a series of obediences. That is the reason why what f- flowed out of Jesus? Virtue, thank you, not just power. And virtue is add, so add to faith what? Virtue and then knowledge and then temperance. Virtue, virtue comes with obedience to do. To do and to teach, even after he was resurrected, how did he do it? Until the day which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, was giving them commandments, not out of his own brain box, through the Holy Spirit. Revelation was continued to flow through the Holy Spirit. John's Gospel, chapter 13, another famous, look at what it says. How do we know that we are blessed, truly blessed? For I have given you an example that you should, what, what, what? The do, as I have done to you, most assuredly I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who is sent by him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you 
do them. Otherwise, you deceive yourself. Do you know that? I heard a fantastic word. How much of you, how much of it did you do? I was listening to Paul Washer in the morning. He was telling this example of this, um, not story of this uh, pastor in Africa, somewhere in Africa. So the pastor would come to the pulpit. And there was a young man in the congregation. After he makes the very first point, he just gets up and leaves. First time he is okay. And then second Sunday also, after the first point he makes, he is looking at him. Second time also he just goes and leaves. And third time he's looking at him. He makes the first point and looks at him. He gets up and leaves. After a few months, he is really frustrated. He's, he's really getting upset. Maybe he's like, you're saying, my, maybe my preaching is so bad. And one day, before the preaching uh, happened, this boy was there. He came a little early to the service that day. He came to him and he said, son, why is it after I make the first point, you just leave? I know what that son said, that the, the boy says. He says, after you made the first point, it is not reality in my life. He said, there's no point for me to listen to the rest of the sermon. Let me just go and do it first and then come back and listen. And you know, Paul Washer says, he says, this is exactly what we need to do. See, sermons are not for our enjoyment. Yes, we enjoy the word. But we are blessed. If you do them, see, we stop with enjoyment and not with a blessing. That is what, that is, that is the reason why there's a, there's a saying in Telugu, Alpa Santoshi. Means you can be easily made happy by just listening to a sermon. But you don't go beyond it. It's blessed are you, if you do them. That is the reason why James chapter 1 will say, you know what it says? Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. First you have, you have a, you should have an attitude, Lord. I want to receive with meekness your implanted word, but, which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Otherwise, you will be fantastically deceiving yourself. Fantastically. You see, you don't do it. You see, otherwise, you will not have the fire, my dear brothers. The fire will be put out and you will have a, you have a pitcher, you will have a trumpet, but no, what? Fire? No fire? That's what you heard it, right? You see? Understand this. First Samuel chapter 15. You know this very well. Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people so that one day you'll get the spirit of the Lord upon him and just prophesy and enjoy your prophesying. No. That anointing is given for a purpose. What is that? Now therefore heed the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt and do this. Now go and attack and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. Do it completely. And you know what happened to Saul. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Not to. And what is the difference between Saul and David? Like another famous verse. Acts chapter 10 verse 22. 
when he had removed him i think 1322 or 10 okay apologize dr richard thank you yes now he has become my my concordance okay he is too good and when he had removed him he raised up from from them for them david as king to whom to whom also he gave testimony and said i have found david the son of jesse a man after my own heart who will do all my will do 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 it is done done are done okay done hebrews chapter 10 why was jesus look at what it says the pattern son hebrews chapter 10 therefore when he came into the world he said sacrifice and offerings you do not desire but a body of prepared for me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not you have no pleasure then i said behold i have come in the volume of the book that is written of me to do your will it is to do my dear brothers it is action action verb sometimes doing is waiting that is also doing Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8 But of the son he says your throne o god is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness a scepter of your kingdom you have loved righteousness and hated he just not only does his will he is delighted to do his will and therefore what did god do he has anointed you with the oil of gladness how does anointing come it is a series of obediences my dear brothers it is an accumulation of the oil in your life through a series of obediences simple or major doesn't matter and one of the simplest obediences come to church first regularly then every meeting then on time right that's what he says right how did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by hearing from faith to do and you know what you need to have a heart for that you have to delight it's just not doing for the sake of doing okay finished i did it give me my anointing it doesn't come like that it's not like you exchange coins in the in with the with the in the store no look at what it says in ezra chapter 7 ezra chapter 7 for ezra what prepared his heart oh my goodness my dear brothers this is so 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 critical to obey there has to be a preparation of the heart the constant different people have us you don't know my heart actually i know your heart and my heart both deceitful above all things and desperately wicked no only competition is which is more deceitful that's all yours or mine god looks at the heart yeah and he says baba very deceitful you see listen to the pharisees but do not follow them because they say and don't do and he says prepare your heart so how do you prepare your heart is a question how do you prepare your heart is a question to seek the law of the lord and to do it you know something nobody goes to an examination without being prepared right i hope it's true for all of you you're all looking at me as if i have spoke something strange 
Hello? Oh, no, actually I do wonder batting. I know a lot of wonder battings. You know what wonder batting, no? Yeah, Deepika knows law like yesterday, I don't know. No, 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 no. <laughs> if you do law like that, you'll become lawless, no? You see? You have to be prepared. I'll tell you something. Every service is an examination of your heart. And in order to pass the examination, you have to wear, you have to have a preparation. So how do you prepare? Famous Psalm, everybody knows. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not, everybody say, walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Who does not stand in the way of sinners. Who does not sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight. Ah, That means what? How does preparation start? First, 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 first. There are n number of ungodly counsels all around the world. And one of the things that we have, we are inundated with is an explosion of media. Explosion. Explosion of media. It's unbelievable how it is. And recently I went to a place, uh, Wesley Church, okay, Wesley Church, uh, Ramkoti Wesley Church, they gave me a topic. The influence of pop culture and how should Christians view it. Let me tell you something. Every media product, it's called production, right? Production house. No? Production house, right? You're also producing house. That's a production house over there. Okay. And uh, Sam is our producer, okay? No, no, Pastor James is our producer and Sam is the one who is done it, doing it. He's the director and we are, and Pastor James is our producer, okay? Because he's funding, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so look at this. Production, every production house has a media. Media, that means a media product. And every product has an ideology. It is impossible for not to have a product without an ideology. Okay. So you consume anything. You consume music. You consume movie. You consume cricket. Because cricket has three parts, three points, three Three, uh, sorry, formats. The 2020, the one day, and the test. Which one you do you like the most? Ah, thank you. Thank you, thank you. You should be proud. Where is uh, our brother there? Ah, you should be very, very proud. Finally. Ah, this is so boring, 2020. I say, for people, test. So boring. That is the reason why it's called test. Pariksha. It's a pariksha not only for them, it's also for the spectators. How do you enjoy it? So every product that you watch, the three formats of cricket, okay, and every sport that you watch, there is an ideology that is being sold. It is impossible to sell any product without, without selling an idea. It's impossible, virtually impossible, any product. Okay, I remember those days, Godrej's shaving cream. Now shaving cream has a different connotation altogether. Godrej's shaving cream during Durarashan days, such a beautiful ad. Hello, sir. Which shaving cream do you use? And, and he says, Godrej. And he says, why? Great shave, cologne fragrance, wife loves it. That is 1980s. And now, 
I don't have to say anything. My silence has spoken so much. So much. You see, that is the reason why yesterday pastor was talking about the world, the world, the world. I was finding it so funny because it's the refrain of every young man's heart. What is wrong? Everything. Any song that you sing, every song that they produce, even though if it is sung to beautiful music, you know, what are you doing actually? You're sucking up the ideology and not just the music. The problem with our generation is because they don't know God, because they have not tasted God, they, they are okay with anything now. Anything goes. And they are okay to watch the most wireless stuff on the internet or even on, on movies. You have, by the time you are like 18, 19, 20 years old, you have watched so much of violence, so much of, of, of nudity on, on television. And then we say, hey, be excellent at what is good and what, 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 what? Innocent, innocent, innocent. Think about that. Think about that. How quickly people lose their innocence these days. And they even murder. Do you know that? Virtually. What is every game which is, which is famous among uh, young people? Shooting. Sniper. I, I used to have a friend in Canada. Morning he starts... He's through the night. I don't know whether he sleeps. Playing, 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 playing. 24 by 7 on the computer. Any song. Any song. I'll show you one song. Okay. 1982 song. I don't know if uh, any of you were born. Me and Pastor James are definitely born. So don't assume our age. Okay. 1982, a group called Fears for Tears. Heard this? Or know this, know about this guy. Recently, why, why, why I'm mentioning this is like, when during the lockdown, there was a YouTube video which became very famous in two days time. 3.5 million views. It was came as a, I don't know, the algorithms are very, very interesting, no? The algorithm just came as a, I just opened YouTube, it came there, and father and daughter singing. Very famous song. Then I said, okay, let me just, just open it and listen to the song. What is it? And fantastic music, fantastic singing, but the lyrics. The lyrics, the lyrics, the words, the words, the words, the words, because they have to sell an idea. Look at what the words say. All around me, this is during lockdown. All around me are familiar faces. Were not places. Were not faces. Bright and early for their daily races. Going nowhere. Going nowhere. The tears are filling up their glasses. No expression. No expression. I ask you, what, what expression? The other day when I went to this place, no, full mask. I don't know whether they're receiving my word or they're just looking at me, staring at me. No expression. Hide my head. I want to drown my sorrow. No tomorrow. No tomorrow. And then it says, I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it hard to take. 
when people run in circles, it's a very, very mad world. One guy who is in the world, speaking about the world and calling it mad. Mad. Successful in the world. And he says, where are we going? Where are we going? In circles and circles and circles. You know what? The song has an idea. No hope. No hope. No hope. All the pleasure that you can enjoy will make you mad. And only you will graduate in madness. That's all. First you will be class 10 in madness. Plus 2 in madness. Undergrad madness. Master's madness. PhD madness. Postdoc madness. And what is postdoc madness? I'll tell you. First class 12 madness. You go to amusement park. What park? Amusement park. You know what amuse means? Right? Muse means to think. Amuse means don't think. So when you're going there, don't think. It is a don't think park. And then you have these crazy roller coasters going like this. People screaming. You have this huge pendulum. I saw it only in the lab. And now I find it in the amusement park. I said, Baba, how can I stop thinking? And I'm asking me now to think. I thought about it my whole life. And it is swinging from the left to the right, to the left to the right. And people are screaming. Madness. And after that, People like me? No, 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 please. Spare me this madness. And then, that is maybe undergrad, PhD. In that also you have different levels. The craziest fellow will go to that thing which is shorter to the sky. I mean, what is wrong with you? And you know, the craziest thing, you take a flight, put a parachute, fly to the top of the sky and jump. Hello? And then you shoot yourself and put it on YouTube. Who did it? One of my relatives. She went to the US. She jumped off from the airplane. The parachute came out. I said, madness. After that, it's a mad world. I'm telling you something, my dear brothers. You watch any movie, n number of web series, that is the reason why it's called series. Mathematics, we had series and sequences, nonsense. They are now we have series in the web, web also. It is infinite series only now. It never stops. One level of madness to the next. Oh, this level of violence was okay, but let us make it more violent. More mad. Next iteration. That is what we call algorithm, right? Next, next iteration. Next iteration. Next iteration. And by the time you're cooked in your brain, you're, you're fried. And the worship leader through Peter says, raise your hands and say hallelujah. Hello. How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that?
My goodness, I'm telling you, when we used to grow up, we had no idea because I know where I'm coming from, okay? We were singing this in our youth group. Everybody is so happy. Nice music. What is that? Hotel California. Nobody understands the lyrics. Even they also didn't understand their lyrics. You ask him today, what did you mean? Actually, by the way, they know it. But they don't tell you. Warm smell of colitas. What is colitas? Anybody knows? It's a smell of marijuana. And what is that? Welcome to the THC. What is THC? It's a drug. The Hotel California. Look at one lyrics on that. Except 1977. I was not even born. Mirrors on the ceiling. Pink champagne on ice. You know what he says? We are just prisoners here of our own device. In the master's chamber, they're gathered for the feast. They stab it with their steely knives, but they just can't kill the beast. And he says, boss, let me run for my life now. And you know what he says? Last thing I remember, I was running for the door. I had to find the passage back to the place I was before. And the nightman said, relax. Relax! You're programmed to receive. You can check out anytime you like. You know what the word for check out actually means? Check out means suicide. That's what it means. He checked out. Oh, you think that he left out of a hotel? No. He left out of his life. He left his life and went. He committed suicide. That's what is being given through media. My dear brothers, be very careful. Be very, 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 very careful what you get exposed to. The problem is you just suck it up when you're young. It's incredible. Now I know the lyrics of this entire song. I was just, the other, in the morning I was thinking, my, my goodness, I know this lo- the song is there somewhere deep down in my mind. How to get it out? And then whenever, whenever the tang-tang-tang-tang comes, finished. Oh, it's like a trigger. Do you think that we don't get triggered? Mild triggers. So very careful. You watch anything. You watch chess. You watch chess. Even chess. Fantastic game. I love it. But is it still an idea? In the production of it, I'm telling you. I don't want to go to the details. That is the reason why. Very careful what goes into your mind. Luke 8.18 will say, be careful as to what you hear. What you hear. What allow, what counsel you're taking. Job chapter 6 verse 6. Can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? (laughs) Answer. Answer is no. Unsavory. Salt stands for, it stands for protection and it also stands for taste. It protects you from corruption. And also gives you taste. Lamentation 2.14 The prophets have seen vain and foolish things. 
they have discovered, they have not discovered that iniquity to turn away their captivity, but I've seen for the false burdens and causes of banishment. That's what they've seen. So be very careful. The counsels that you receive. And what happens? The the counsels that you receive will make a way called the way of what? Sinner. (laughs) And you know what? That's a pattern in your life. It's like, you know, uh, just imagine, no? You have a huge bushy, bushy area over there, but you will see one small roadway over there. Why is that roadway over there uh, visible? Because people have tread down that path. And now it has made it for itself a pathway. That's exactly what you have in your minds. Pathways in your minds. You get up in the morning, it is a pathway. What is the pathway? Phone. It's a pathway. Have you, have you, have you seen it? That's the reason why one day I wanted to try it. I wanted to put my, my smartphone at home. I left my iPad the other day. I took the smartphone because people keep calling me sometimes, so I just didn't want to keep my phone also. I want to see how much I can survive without this. Smartphone. Very, very important, no? Twitter. Facebook. So news, ESPNCricketInfo.com and then GTC, devotion for the day. Pattern. It's already there. Why? Because the counsel that you have received and what happens ultimately? You sit in the seat of the scornful. So what are you doing? You have a posture now. What is this guy going to say now? It's called the what pose? Uh, Vivekananda pose. You got, got a posture. Art Katz calls it the French posture. You know what French posture is, right? Relax, chill, no sound. Let's weigh this. What's the hurry? And you become a scoffer. You evaluate the message and then you evaluate the messenger, but never do it. So there should be a preparation, therefore. Preparation. Don't ever forget that. Matthew chapter 24. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a, what? Wise servant. Whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food and duces and blessed is that servant whom his master when he comes finds so. What? Doing, doing, you see, doing. Assuredly, I say to you, he will make him rule over, over all his goods. But if the evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and to drink with the drunkards, what will he do? The master will come at a day that he's not looking for and an hour that he's not aware of and he'll cut him and he will put the portion with the hypocrites. Why? Why is he a hypocrite? Because he heard and did not do. Alright. Let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 3 now. So he ran and said to Eli, Samuel, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and he lay down. Then the Lord called yet again Samuel. To, so, so Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call you. Now Samuel did not hear the word of the Lord. And verse 8. 
And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. And it shall be if he calls you that you must say, Speak for your servant hears. You see, what is the posture that he takes? Is a very interesting, you know. It says, Samuel had this readiness all the time. He comes whenever he's called. How many times? First time, second time, third time. He gets up and he keeps on going and Lord is watching. The Lord does not tell Eli. I mean, I think the Lord is holding Eli because he's looking at Samuel. How obedient is this boy going to be? First time, second time, third time, fourth time, forever ready. A boy about 12 years old. Anytime. He's ready. You know, one of the things that we need to understand is this, you know, two incredible extremities, if you will, of God. One thing, God is absolutely holy. Holy, holy, holy. Okay, nobody can see his face and live, it says. And on the other hand, God is humble. He is holy and he is humble. How do I know it? Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. Whose name is holy. He inhabits eternity. I dwell in the high and holy place. And then also with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit. See, you know what? What is the posture of this young man, young boy? Always ready. It's what we call as a posture of a bond servant. A posture of a bond servant. Always. You know, um, many people say, you know, we should humble ourselves. But how do you know that you are humble? Important, no? How do you know that you are born again? It's very interesting, Jesus says, the wind goes wherever it wishes, so is the one who is born of the Spirit. Meaning, you don't see how he is born again, but you see the effects of him being born again. So how do you know that you are humble? There are effects of a man, or rather, there are characteristics or behavioral patterns of a humble man. It's found in Philippians chapter 2, very famous, we know this very well. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This is talking about humility. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Or the other, other translations will say, something which has to be grasped. In other words, first thing about humility, a guy who has, who never talks about his rights, who has given up all his rights. You know, one, the first person who comes to my mind is Abraham and Lot. The strife between the time, between the two. And Abraham says, I put down my rights, you choose. You choose. And the second person who comes to my mind is Moses, right? God says, just move away, move, just, just step aside Moses, let me consume them. 
You know what? And I, and I will make you into a great nation. He says, no, Lord. No. What will the people say? What will happen to your name? No to him. He's got every right. But he says, no. Two rights. I deserve. No. I deserve it. No. Second, he says, rather he made himself nothing. Other translations will use the word no reputation. Another thing, he doesn't really care about what people say or do. It's like what we call as being guileless. No. He just says what he is. He is what he is. There's absolute transparency about him. There's no pretense. Second, third thing he says, he taking upon himself the very nature of a bond servant. Meaning what? He's always willing to listen. Why? Why is he a bond servant? Because he has said, you know what? I love you so much. I want to do whatever you ask me to do. And being made in human likeness, and he found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the death even to the death on the cross. What is that? First thing, you see, don't talk about, you know what, this is my right. Okay. This is my right. What should I do? Second, let there be no hypocrisy. Let there be transparency. In other words, don't be conscious about what people think, you, think about you all the time. What do my peers think about me? What do my classmates think about me? It's a huge pressure for every young man when he goes to college. Right? Nakoka girlfriend? Kahvalira. That is a song in a movie. And it becomes an idea. And everybody has now. And if you don't have, what is wrong with you? Don't try to fit in. Wait. For that one person whom God will send. You know, when you are in college, let me tell you something. All young people who are going to college or are in college, make the best use of it. You'll never get it back again. You know what? Study. Salu. And through that, witness. Let your life be your witness. The choices that you make be a witness. Everybody in the Jewish household, they were okay with accepting the food from the, from the king's table. But one guy said no. They, don't, they didn't care about what other people say or think about it. But he said no. I don't want to fit in. And you know what something? You will never fit in. Even if you try to fit in, they will know. Like Lot. This fellow, he never fits in. Now he's there in the, he's at the gates of the, of, of, of Sodom, and he's trying to preach to us. You'll never fit in. you literally look like a proverbial sore thumb. Now sometime back I was having a discussion with somebody. He said, a lot of people come to the office dressed in different ways, different costumes. Right, costumes, yeah. <laughs> Because now that the days of Naran Murthy are over, you have Sikka, okay, who's your CEO, right? So, you don't know. Yeah, yeah, Vishal Sikka. Sikka means money, okay? So, they come with different costumes. And somebody, we were having a discussion, okay, to, to one person whom I know very well. And he was telling me, Anna, I always see the difference when a non-believer 
comes dressed in skimpy clothing and when a believer so called comes in indecent clothing to the office you know something the other the believer is trying desperately to fit trying the other person is not trying he's already a part of the crowd but this person and you will see they are uncomfortable and they're trying to fit go there you go you just go to the, to the office and you start discussing make a discussion okay observe what will happen when you enter into the room and you will know whether you fit in or don't fit in okay i go to my lab i am telling you not not boasting honest testimony hmm? all a bunch of guys in the lab balls during the lunch break they are discussing and discussing 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 i just open the door and I enter into the lab they look at me and everybody quietly disperses you know what you don't try to fit in and one day my boss was talking to the minister how come vijay is never a part of you and you are forever taking breaks after breaks after breaks after breaks after breaks you enter into the office you will know you enter into your class you will know suddenly whispers shouts become whispers ah then you know you have an influence you're not part of, you're not a part of the crowd or you enter into the office scene changes they are discussing about the movie and you enter into the room vijay are much you know what happened we are then suddenly everybody into the discussion now you are also the part of the crowd no difference you see just imagine that is what he's talking about no reputation meaning what you don't try to fit in if you have to make a stand all by yourself you will take a stand all by yourself and when you are there around nobody speaks anything against your boss nobody nobody says anything against your boss i had two of my students passing by the corridor once and i was having a discussion with another guy they just passed and looked at my sir's office made some comment and went away they thought i didn't hear because i thought i was guilty and they were hindi next day in the class i looked at him and said come both of you come here what did you say sir when you were passing by the robotics lab they were shocked they thought i was fitting i'm 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 going to pat on the back and they said yeah yeah my boss is like that no no do you know what it takes to build a lab like that do you know what it takes sir sorry sir sorry sir sorry don't fit in stand and know something you will always have respect among your among your peers and even your boss will have respect and one day he will call you for sure and you will always have a door to give him the gospel you know that you give him the gospel you will whether he takes the gospel or not is is up to him but you will that is what i'm talking about never try to fit in my dear brothers don't talk about rights don't try to fit in and what 
appearance, he humbled himself and be obedient. We are talking about that, right? Obedience, obedience, that is to do. It's all a part of humility. And only to them God reveals. Look at what it says in Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 onwards, 1 and 2. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his who? Bond servants. <laughs> the things which must soon take place, and he sent and communicated by his angel to his. Ah, this bond servant has to communicate to the other bond servant. So if you do not have this attitude of a bond servant, this man be, can be a bond servant, he can have a revelation, but will you receive a revelation? No. On the other hand, if this guy is not even a bond servant, but he comes and speaks, but you are a bond servant, will you receive a revelation? Absolutely, yes. You see? That is exactly what happens to Samuel. Samuel never tries to fit in. Look at what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 11. Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. Where? Before Eli the priest. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 17. Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. But huh, Samuel ministered before the Lord. How? Even as a child wearing a linen fort. No influence of these people. What an amazing character this guy is at the age of less than 12. What a lesson for all of us to learn. Then goes on. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him every year when he came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Meaning what? Every year... His dress was getting bigger and bigger. Size was getting bigger. In other words, he was growing even in his righteousness and his obedience. In other words, today he is more obedient than he was yesterday. And therefore God is able to reveal more of himself to him. You see? Have you grown in your obedience? You know how we know that you have grown in your obedience? Even if the message is old, you will receive something new. That's what it means. You know what the priests used to have? They used to have a urim and used to have a thumim. What does urim stand for? Lights. What does urim stand for? Perfections. With every light, he received a perfection. Graduated slowly. He was growing up in what we call as a school of obedience and discipleship. Obedience. Never letting the people around him influence him. The Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child grew before the Lord. No, never stopped growing. Look at this constant, one dynamic in Samuel's life. He never stopped growing spiritually. Does it stop there? No. <laughs> Verse 26, then child Samuel grew in stature and in favor, both with the Lord and with man. Wow. Growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. Did he stop there? <laughs> no. Look at what it says in First Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And now he gets a revelation. God calls him. He gets a revelation. He gets a revelation of the judgment of God. And look at what verse 19 says. Okay, now I received revelation. I can relax. Verse 19. And this is, so Samuel 
grew. What is constant? Growth. Physically, growth stops. After that, you only grow sideways. And how do you know? Your movements become impeded. How do I know it? I observe myself. I go back home and I see how I'm leading worship. How I was leading worship, those days, full on fire and I was moving here and there. Now my movements are like this, like this, like this, like this. Because mass has incrementally increased. That is physical, it's okay. But how, what about spiritual sharpness? You wouldn't believe it, okay? If I have to tell you. Pastor says one verse. Sometimes I preempt, preempt four verses in the next four lines, in the next one line. Four verses. It didn't happen once or twice. You can ask Dr. Richard. Next is going to Timothy. Next is going that Corinthians. Next is, it just happens just like that. where he's going. Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. You know why none of his words fell to the ground? Because he never let any of God's words in his life fall to the ground. Every word he obeyed and he grew in his obedience from the little to the biggest. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established. You have to grow until you are established in the Lord. Established. You know what establishing means? You will never fall. People can change left, right and center, but one man will remain constant in your life. That is Samuel. Even his own children may not follow the Lord, but he will continually till the end of his life follow God. Like, like Paul in the old covenant, in the new covenant. I was not disobedient to the what vision? To the heavenly vision until the end. And he says, my life is now being poured out like a drink offering till the end. Obedient. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. It is not stopping in his life, my dear brothers. It is not stopping. Growing, 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 growing constantly. What a life. Do you want, do you desire that? God, make me like that, Lord. Make me like that, make me like that, Lord. Make me like that. Every time, you know, pastor says, I look for one man. I said, Lord, I want to be that man. I want to be that man. Make me like that, Lord. Look at how it, how it becomes, uh, begins in 1st Samuel chapter 4. And the word of Samuel, we know it, several contexts, right? And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle. You see? It's interesting, isn't it? Once the word is established, the second thing that happens in your life, you're ready to become what? A warrior for God. A spiritual warrior for God. You know why? Because your obedience has become established. Established. In other words, we know it. I was telling one young man who came for counseling sometime back. I said, you know what? Can you be counted? You will be there. You will be there no matter what. I can count on you. 
and i'm really thankful for you know some 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 young people are really really obedient they said yes you can count on count on me i will be found there will be a constant in my life i will not change that aspect of my life is cannot be compromised anymore because you know what i've been established established they should come to a point in your life that money should never bother you anymore reputation should not bother you anymore television what all the world can see it should not bother you because you're established you're established because you've grown to a point in your life where you've been established in obedience you know what how it starts it starts with hearing and continuously hearing all the days of your life growing and only one thing is important you know what that is do not quench the holy spirit then there's only one way to growth it is by doing it is by doing and i'll tell you something the more you do the more you will know what i say the more you do the more you will know i remember i'll give this as the final example and i'll stop for today when we were studying we studied so many subjects just to get 100 or 90 or to get an a grade or sometimes just to pass depending upon the subject no some subjects interest you some subjects you have to just pass but most of the time i used to understand the concept and then well let's do i used to just finish it off get a get a grade until i went to the higher levels where i had to start to apply what i learn and i had a, i had a colleague who came to me sometime back in the university and we were having a discussion he said vijay you know something we learned so many things in our engineering now i know why i learned so many things now i know now when i start applying it oh this is the reason why we studied that oh i remember so many concepts i just memorized it when i started doing it oh my goodness this is the reason why i did it this is why i did it you know why i got more understanding because i began to do it that is the reason why in john 7:17 it says if anyone desires to do my will he will know doing is the key to knowing so this morning we have come to the end of this month and god said he is going to enlarge us but let us be stretched in our obedience amen Lord let me be stretched a lot in my obedience my obedience of last year and this year let it increase so that you can trust me with a greater deposit of your holy spirit you can trust me with a greater deposit of your holy spirit so that i will have the anointing in my life lord you cut me lord continuously you fill me with your holy spirit cut me and fill me cut me and fill me and let me let me never ever quench the spirit in my life and the way you quench the spirit the day you stop your obedience slowly you know why there's the obedience stops because there is no cutting anymore and every time you obey you have to be cut, you have to be cut because you have to say no to yourself and yes to god that's exactly what happens when cutting happens you say no and yes it's suffering and the moment you start suffering you know what slowly there's a deposit there's a deposit there's a deposit of the holy spirit there's a deposit of the anointing because you have proven god through a series of incremental obediences and god can trust you with a greater deposit of his holy spirit and god is looking for young people and old people young people who have been baptized it doesn't matter how young you are you can start and say you can hear the voice of god you can hear the voice of god 
And the earlier you hear, the better for you. And you'll keep on hearing. Amen? Can, this morning, can we all stand in the presence of the Lord? Let's pray. And let's ask God for this one thing. Lord, help me to do. Say that. Lord, help me to do. Whatever is taught to me, help me to do. Even the little things, help me to do by the power of your Holy Spirit. Forgive all my disobedience. Forgive all my unbelief. But I want to do. I want to be a person who is going to do what I was taught. Let's pray. Father, this morning, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to grow in our obedience, O Lord. Grow in my obedience, Lord. If we want to grow in my obedience, let us each one say, Lord, I want to grow in my obedience. I want to do what I already know. And for so many days, I just kept it there in my in my to-do list. And it was never done. But Lord, let it be a done deal in my life now. I will be slow to speak, quick to hear, and quick to obey. Quick to obey. And that is genuine repentance, my dear friends, my brothers and sisters. Repentance rots carefulness, it says. Godly sorrow bringeth forth repentance. Repentance that does not bring sorrow of this world, but truly, truly godly sorrow which leads us to repentance, which brings life. And one of the first things it says, it rots carefulness in us. And what is carefulness? It is but the desire to do things immediately without delay. Because Lord, delayed obedience is disobedience, Lord. We don't want to procrastinate, O Lord Jesus. Because tomorrow is not promised. What you've spoken to us today, we want to finish it off today, O Lord Father. May you find people here in this congregation and all around, O Lord Father, who's hearing set of people who are determined to do. Who are prepared their heart to do. Who have said no to all these worldly ideas which, Father, which empowered disobedience. But accepted the truth of the word of God which empowered obedience. Because you have called all of us to the obedience which comes from faith. Oh, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would find obedience, O Lord, in your people. Even Christ Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Even though he was a son, he learned obedience to the things that he suffered. And with loud cries and tears, he cried to him and he said, Lord, empower me to say no to ungodliness and to temptations and to say yes to your voice. He is the pattern son. And I pray, Father, all of us, we will grow in our sonship. That we will truly be sons and daughters of the living God. Because Lord, your word says, as many as are led by the Spirit, to put to death by the Spirit the deeds of the body. That's what your word says, O Lord. Will be called the sons of God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will find in all of us the willingness to do immediately and not to procrastinate. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, Father, for all my brothers and sisters who are baptized, who have taken baptism. Father, it's a new beginning. I pray, Lord, that they will mature and grow and graduate through the school of obedience, O Lord. That they will minister and they will humble themselves and they will come under the subject, they'll subject themselves to every authority that they, that you place them under. They will grow in their obedience. They will grow in stature. They will find favor with God and with man. And Lord, they will continue to have the deposit of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Lord, yes Lord, the anointing is not cheap. It, has, it comes through obedience. Even your son was anointed to do good, Father. And he did good. And then he did miracles, O oh Lord. But it was to do, O oh Lord, it was to do your will. And I pray, Father, that we will increase in our anointing. In that we will increase in our obedience. So that you can trust us with more and more anointing. And more and more revelation in the days to come. We thank you, Father. We commit every one of us into your hands. From the youngest to the oldest, O oh Lord. Father, If there are some of us who are discouraged, who said, I messed up in my life. You are a God who who always gives us chances. You are the God, not of the second chance, you are the God of end chances, O Lord. You have given me so many chances, opportunities after opportunities. I pray, Father, you would give us all another chance. But Lord, enable us not to harden our hearts. In the day of our visitation. But enable us, Lord Father, to surrender ourselves to your will in our lives. Touch us all, O Lord. And enable us to grow in the school of obedience. To that end, I pray that you would bless all of us. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. And God's people said, Amen. The Lord bless you richly and grow in the school of obedience. Amen. Amen.